0: Up. Up.
1: Up. Up. Hello, welcome to another edition of the QPR podcast, Open All Laws. I'm Paul Finney and I'm joined with Dunstan Pentley. Hello, Paul. Sorry for sniggering, but we know why I'm sniggering, but nobody else will have a clue. Um, Simon Hall. Paul. How are you? I'm all right. And Sam Jolliffe. Hi. You all right? Oof. Hey. Anyway, that, that was good. Enjoyed that. Now, Sam, just to fill it in, I'm in Barnet. Simon's in Hemel Hempstead. So he's really looking forward to renewing rivalries with his Watford friends on Saturday. Bless him. Sam's in Sheffield University, I believe. And Dunstan just has to be different when he's in New York. I am indeed. I, I, I am
2: Empire <laughs> State of Mind.
1: Empire State of Human by the Human League, another one. So um how is how's New York these days before we talk about Rangers?
2: Cold. It's uh yeah, uh, it, it still hasn't worked out. It's spring yet. So uh yeah, so it was snowy snowing the other day. Um it's still it's still here. Um and uh, it's still early when Keep the R kicks off.
1: But when it snows in New York, does everything come to a standstill?
2: Oh, good God, no, no! They yeah. they have like snow gritters and you know salt on the roads, and it unbelievably <laughs> it's quite well prepared. The trains actually run on time when it snows.
1: Jesus, Simon, we need to move. <laughs> does it? Does it? Does everything go, work in Hemel? Okay, when it snows, Simon?
3: No, um, Although I did I did have to go into school today. I was expecting a school. I was expecting the snow day. So imagine my disappointment when I woke up and realised I could drive on the roads.
1: Just for the record, folks, Simon's a teacher. He's not a pupil. Professional. <laughs> right. Um, apart from Dunstan, who's got good reason not to be in the New York stadium. See what I did there? Eh? Oh, Simon, that was a again, game, wasn't it? Be, let's call it out. Carry on. I'm just thinking, Just, I don't know what to say. I've, run out, I've kind of, at the end of the game, there's a wee bit of a going on because a few people were clapping, a few people were abusing the people who were clapping. I was just too numb to think anything. I was just like, because secretly I thought, we've got to win this game because if we don't win this game, we really are in the shade. And it wasn't good. It wasn't clever. And it was, I mean, as opposed to that famous clip of Shoelace, shoelace Gate just sums it up, doesn't it, really? And I'm just thinking, what the hell was that about? But anyway, Simon, Phil, anyone in who wasn't there about your day, and you can do it afterwards, Sam. Your day from Sheffield to Rotherham.
3: Yeah, the um, yeah, I think to be honest, going forward, I actually thought we were a little bit better, and particularly in the first half, we did actually create a few sort of half chances, of which there'd been no evidence in the part in the past sort of like few games. Um, the downside, of course, is that defensively we still look an absolute mess. And any attack that Rotherham had either in the in the first half in particular, it it looked like Rotherham were gonna score. And Ainsworth said it after the game that he needs to work on defence and, and, and by God he does, because I felt for Ozzy Kakai moved on the left and Ogbenny's oh, a good a good player, but Oh, you'd all. It was almost like I'd do a mercy killing on Aussie after 20 minutes. He was being done left, right, and centre all of the time. Um, Rob Dicky again's continued his absolute drop off in form, and probably from a very, very low bar. That's that's probably the worst he's played. And um, from where he was 18 months ago, where we were thinking, yeah, 15, 20 million pounds, to where he is now, it. I genuinely don't know what's what's happening with him, and you could actually say he was responsible for all three goals um thought Aaron drew did okay. there were a few things he did wrong in the second half, but to be overwhelmed like it was in a defense that rarely played together and in no sort of form um I actually thought he did all right, and I think going forward, as I say, we did create the odds chance. And more than we were doing before, so there was small improvements on that. But yeah, we still look a long, long way off from where we need to be.
1: Sam, yeah, I
0: mean, it was it was just. Um, I mean, the, the the saving grace for me was that I, I was able to take the tram there and back because because uh, it's right next to Sheffield. But it's it's just. It's, you know, it's sort of got gotten very bad. When I, I actually, I'd go as far as saying QPR played slightly slightly better than I was expecting, and that's and and we were we were awful, and that re- and those things, those two things together really sort of they sa- says it all. Really, I mean, last time I was on it, we were talking about relegation and saying, and I, I said there's not going to happen because we 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 need two wins in the rest of the season to stay up and and um and and then and I just sort of assumed like we had however many games like that was going to happen and I still think two wins keeps us up and I just I just don't and and I think I've what's changed is that I just I've lost this idea that we're sort of guaranteed to get two wins that you're going to get them from somewhere that because um (laughs) it made me laugh made me sort of realize when I heard and I don't know if you've seen um an interview of uh, of Mick McCarthy after they lost blackpool lost 3-0 to reading and uh, and and he sort of the interviewer reeled off you you just number of stats of how awful they were and said it can't go on like this and Mick McCarthy just stood there and said but it can which um and that made me think about QPR because why can't why, why can't it continue like that? this I, I i'm i'm really beginning to get concerned that we're going to Lose all the rest of our games because it's. It seems to me like Ainsworth. He's got this idea, that, and, and it's. And I think it's probably the right. We've we've lost the right to be picky about playstyle, and Ainsworth is. He, he, I'm not going to try and pigeonhole his. Um, his. Uh, I'm not going to try and pigeonhole his playstyle too much, but it is known that in in times of adversity, you stick to doing what you do best and what ain't. Ainsworth got most of his success with Wickham through attritional football, sort of um uh, not to say not complete sort of hoofball, but very attritional. And um and that's and and I, I thought actually going forward, I was beginning to see signs of that, like um uh this sort of bombardment of long balls and ending up with wingers in space. Adoma and Lowe, I thought both got into space in the first half at times. Um, and and sort of all happening off Chris Martin, who actually does um, win win quite a lot in the air. And I think come um, Lyndon coming back in would be probably an improvement. So going forward, we have got this. But what you just don't have at all is this foundation of defensive stability. It's just chaotic. It's disorganized. It is so so vulnerable at the back. And I, I don't. This is not the sort of thing that gets fixed quickly. So I. To 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 sum up, I just got left feeling that like we've like like we're not going to stop conceding goals at the rate we are conceding goals, and if that continues, we're in big trouble. Um, but other than
1: that, great day, Dunson How did you see the game Saturday?
2: Uh, through squinted uh, squinted eyes, three through, through my through my fingers, we were at the football factory, and the, the way that I saw it was kind of what Sam said, which was. One, the first thing I noticed, there was a lot less playing out from the back. Senny was launching it a lot more. Um, I was noticing a lot more direct balls into the box uh, from wide areas, which funnily enough, Sam, I was thinking the same thing. We would be, Linden would be absolutely loving this right now. You know what I mean? Get, just getting, you know, whether he scores or not, just he, like him and Chris Martin, those, those are the guys that can create a little bit of havoc, can pull a defender away you know, a lot, a lot of the the balls were ending up at Rangers' feet, but just weren't able to the finish them. Um, I, I also will agree with the the state of the defence. And and Simon, you said something about Rob Dickey, about where where it's all gone wrong. When Rob Dickey was at his best, he was playing in a three. I don't think Rob Dickey can play in a two. And and. It, <laughs> I, I I hate to say it. I I think Rob if, if you know is it worth even pulling field back in to make a three or do something <laughs> or I think know, that's because obviously oh, obviously sorry obviously the fallbacks that their, their fitness, if if you had Pal and Edge you could at least play Aussie as a, as yep. a right hand side of a three but it feels to me that that Rob Dickey, and I I totally agree all three goals can be laid at his his feet and 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 I don't see. If, if it's the same back four, or even if it's the same back two with, with Dunn and Dickey, I don't see there being a lot more defensive stability. So, so if, and I know that uh, Ainsworth was asked about a back three and did say that he would consider it. We obviously would need a Balogun or a Clark Salter or a Kakai to be able to do that. And until then we're sort of yeah. hamstrung, but unless you throw poor old Joe Gubbins no. into the mix and you, you know, that you can't rest that on his shoulders. So, you know, I, 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 I did see signs of, I, I guess, attacking recovery, but it feels like it's Holloway. It's Holloway ball again, really. And it's Holloway with a leather jacket and slightly better hair. It's, I mean, even down to his man management stuff, the stuff with the hacker, which I'm sure we'll get on to at some mm. point later, but it very much feels like it's out of the Holloway playbook. Now, the one thing I would say is, you know, Going forward, our goal scoring has not been great, but the more the ball is in the box, the better chances we're going to have. So would it surprise me if we did get two or three in a game upcoming? It wouldn't. Is it likely? Well, no. But is it also likely we can see three or four that game as well? Possibly. Because the, the amount of goals we're shipping at the minute is criminal. It's, it's three a game at the minute, and the, that's just not sustainable. Is anything
3: Sorry, Sorry, Paul. Yeah.
2: I think going back to the point you asked about
3: putting Samfield back in a three, I think we tried that once with him at Nottingham Forest, didn't we, a couple of seasons ago. And it didn't it didn't work in the slightest. And I think the point you've made, yeah, ideally we would go three at the back, but until people like Clark Salter, Balogun, whatever's whatever's wrong with him. And lead and Parlin, we can and we'll talk about that sort of injury list, no doubt. Until we've got these people back and are actually prepared to play, we are pretty much hamstrung. I think most people would agree. Three at the back would work; it works better. That's what we signed these players for. But I think until people sort of step up and are fit again, we we are tied. And I and I agree with you. I think throwing Joe Gubbins into this, no, not in a, not as a centre defender. I just yeah, you're almost throwing the ball lad under a bus there.
1: It's a weird because I thought on Saturday there was there was a few things that were. I mean, the link play was better. Um, the the movement with the ball, we looked a, a lot more direct and knew what we were doing. But when we got when we get counter attacked, it's um, it's just ridiculous how we crumble. It's you know, it, there's no there's no thought process. The team just comes at us and we just like that one where. Um, you know, he's tiny his shoelaces. I mean, that, that's one side of it, but the other side of it is there's too many games where you look at the ball going that side of the pitch or the other side of the wing and we, we're following a mass rather than holding your position and trying to cover the keeper and cover your position. They're all running towards the attacker. You know, you've got an attacker and maybe four defenders, but then you've got three players in the box and it's it's, it's just like we've forgotten how to play football. We've forgotten how to defend. I mean, Seni spilled a couple of games Saturday. I know I keep talking about the goalkeeping coach, but Jesus wept. I mean, you know he's 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 getting whether it's because we're considering so many goals, but it's not his fault. But his confidence must be on the floor now. You know, and I don't know. It's it's horrible because the players were getting a lot of stick and, Saturday and they never clapping. Someone clapping the fans, and I saw an instance where like Richards was 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 having a pop at the fan, and the fans was having a pop at him. I had no idea what was said, but that looked like it was a heated debate to say the least. And I was, um... I was not
0: far behind them, um, and I didn't didn't hear what was being said, but. It looked to me like Richards was—he was the first to sort of come over, and I saw it. He—he he, these people at the these like four lads at the front were just yelling at him, and I, I looked at it and I, I saw Richards, and um, and he sort of he he caught their eye and then just started walking towards them and climbed over the holdings and and they were all just yelling and, I was like, and that 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 made me quite angry because you, you don't, there's no there's no place for that now. Um, there's no place for that ever, and especially not now when sort of need to need to need to get together,
1: heads up, and all of that. Sad thing is, apart from him telling shooters, he actually did all right when he came on, um, and yeah. he showed a lot of um, directness, and he was quick, and he had a lot of drive in him and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, because Jimmy Dunn came over and took away the situation and put his arm around him and walked him down.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, he but he did life. look quite upset afterwards.
1: Yeah, with I I don't know what was said I didn't hear it. It looked quite don't like saying that. But, Simon, you know what I'm going to mention: Preston and Wimbledon many many years ago. Yeah, and fans were fighting. I don't know if you were there Dunstan so as well. Yeah, days, I was. But,
2: I was at the Wimbledon game.
1: Yeah, that was similar. You know, it's it, and it, it's horrible because like you know, people are clapping players for whatever reason. And I'm not going to I'm, I'm anyone really for doing that no matter what result is. But you know. You, when you see fans turning on each other because someone's clapping, someone doesn't agree with it and stuff like that, and then we're turning the players, it's it just gives a really bad vibe off of everything. And I, I was quite depressed after Saturday, more than I thought I'd really, because I mean, all right, hands up, me and my mates stayed in the pub and I missed 10 minutes because I really sort of thought, yeah, I'll stay in the pub, we'll have another pint, and I just can't face another now. The thing is, I don't think, and I know you don't, Simon. Sam, you're young, I don't know what you think. You don't even know who Danger Mouse is. Do you know who Danger Mouse is? Who? Danger Mouse. <laughs> Danger Mouse, no. Not so. Actually, I know, I've,
0: I've, I've, I, that's a lot. I've, I think I've heard.
1: Yes, anyway. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I don't do this because I'm a bigger fan than anybody else. I don't do this because I'm more loyal than anybody else. I don't do this because I have no right to think I'm better than anyone else. I don't do this so when this ticket's not available for ready and I get one, I feel very smug because I've been to all the week about I do it because I freaking love this football club like you, like Sam, like Dunstan, and I... They're kind of being. There's some people who think I'm doing this because of this. I'm doing that because of that. We all love the club, you know, and to see fans turning each other is horrible and it's sad. And it's I find that soul destroying because you know we're not that sort of club. We're not sport brats. And um, yeah, I find that really tough to watch and sad. And very sad. And I hope it stops because I don't want to see fans fighting amongst themselves because. God knows we've suffered enough watching that we don't need to suffer enough by beating each other up afterwards. That's for flipping sure. And I can't put my finger on it. I mean, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because people are saying, oh, you know, get rid of Ferdinand. There is absolutely no way in God's earth this board will sack Les Ferdinand. I can tell you that now. Les has probably got the safest job at the club. Mm-hmm. They will not sack him. Whether they should or not is up to debate. That's another reason, but they won't sack him. He's very close to the board. Um, but if I was him, I'd be looking at that to the league table. And I would with Lee Hughes probably call a fan's form and take it on the chin, and they'll get a lot of respect because something needs to happen because what's what we've gotta worry about, even if and if we do stay up, which hope that God please God we do. Next season, if this continues, we'll be done by Christmas. There's, there's something deeply wrong. Do you know what I mean, Dunstan? I mean, am, am I over exaggerating? Am I over-egging it? I don't know. What do you think? No,
2: I, I don't think you are, mate. And I think that that's been part of the realization. Like when I, when me and Sam watched the game in New York, it, we were flying, right? And mm-hmm. and and I think you look at what happened with McBeal, and that that's obviously going to have have an impact. But I think ultimately, it there's something wrong with the fabric of the club whether it be you talk about Ferdinand and the director of football I think part of the frustration is like what's the accountability you know what what does success look like for Les Ferdinand what does success look like for Chris Ramsey for uh, for Paul Hall for Andy Belk for the head of our fitness and medical teams like what 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 is you know what are the KPIs because it looks very much like you know the, the business plan, and, and again, you look at the, the set of results that came out, uh financial results that came out, that, you know, it, part of the business plan is to bring up players from the academy and like, and sell them on like Eze. Eze is a unicorn. You don't get those coming along and people wanting to spend that amount of money. Then you have COVID, which then completely affects the whole transfer market and the, the amount of players that are leaving the championship. And you've got to look at people like Bournemouth who held on a slanky and Buendia stayed at Norwich. And, you know, there isn't that movement. Like, you know, it used to be that the, the minute you went up, you'd lose your, you know, or you know or, or you didn't go up, you'd lose your players, your good players would go to the Prem and that's not happening. So, so is the business plan flawed? Like, or do we need to focus on the academy to get first team players? Or at least rather than have six loans, fill, fill the bench with these players. Are, are we... Uh, you know, you look at the squad makeup. The six loan players have have they phoned it in? Are they since Beal's gone? Are they do they care enough? And I kind of feel that there's a malaise in the squad that since Beal left. And and obviously Critchley. And I feel for Critchley because if that equaliser hadn't gone in against Sheffield United, I don't think we'd be even looking at Ainsworth as our manager now. I think Critchley would have probably got two, three, four wins under his belt. We'd be focusing on next season. But, you know, mm-hmm. by those very fine margins, does it turn? I, You know, I, I think people's problem with Critchley is that they didn't like the way he spoke. Um, he was he was the continuation of Beal And I think part of the problem was that maybe Beal got found out before Beal left. And the other thing I would question, and you mentioned this, Simon, about the the, 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 the length of the injury list, how much fitness work did Bill put in with this lot at the start of the season for later on down the line for there to be so many injuries? It can't It can't just be the new training pitch. Like, how, how mm. fit were we at the start of the season? Was he focusing on shape? Was he I, focusing on tactics? I, I just don't know. But it feels to me, sorry, Simon, one second. But it sorry, feels yeah. to me, oh, no, no, that's cool. It feels to me like fundamentally... That there is something not right with the either the business plan or the strategy, or I mean I, I do definitely think that you know giving Bill the keys and then him leaving, totally shredded the recruitment policy and you know Critchley was given a lemon. I think Ainsworth Ainsworth has been given a lemon, and ultimately the only people that can get us out of this is the players, and I, I wonder whether. A bunch of kids or a bunch of loanies is gonna is gonna cut it. And frankly, I don't think so.
3: So I think going back to the summer, I think it's something we've done over the last few years, isn't it? We have tried we have tried to sign these players who have a sketchy injury record, and we tried it with George Thomas, we've done it with Luke Amos. I think the only person who we've done that with, and it's been a genuine success, really, is Sam Field. Yes, he had that, he had that first little bit up until November last season but he's been he's been pretty much ever present ever since Um, I think unfortunately where we are as a club is we should be having a bit of a happy medium with the type of players we've signed and over the last few years we seem to have gone too far down the technical Premier League Academy route so Pete so, yeah, for example, getting people like Willakin, yeah, absolutely brilliant. But what we're finding, and we found this now for the last 13, 14 months, is the minute there's any sort of adversity or anything like that, yeah, anything like that. you need experienced tough heads who can come in and actually help. And no one's advocating plan 11 Sean Derrys or anything like that. You need <laughs> that mix. But ultimately, we haven't got any of those players who can come in who can lead and can do that genuine sort of like nasty stuff? And I think ultimately the transfer recruitment this season, one letting Bill do it all, which seems to be what are happening. I think you're absolutely right. is is foolish beyond belief. And again, that then goes back and begs the question: Well, what is the di- what's the point of a director of football if you're just letting a manager do do that? Um, we've seen it's all gone wrong. Yes, you mentioned Dunstan about have players phoned it in under phoned it in since Beale's gone. Only they know. I mean, you can look at the evidence and yeah, it looks quite damning, but only they know in their heads whether they're upset, they're sad or whatever, and they've just ended up phoning it in. I mean, you mentioned it as well. I have to say a penny for Neil Critchley's sports, having watched those first two games, because to be fair, to be fair to the bloke, I think that's just proved that he wasn't. I think we knew this anyway. He wasn't the problem. But seeing what's happened now with Ainsworth, who is a real motivator, or his thing from Wickham as being a real motivator, it's not, made a, it's not made a massive difference. I think the one thing, though, going forward in the summer is that at least Ainsworth is going to know the type of unpolished gems in League One or something like that that he knows and he can bring in to bring that steel. I think Ainsworth knows what he's got himself into. He knows that there's no strength, there's no toughness behind that side. And I think ultimately for us, it isn't throw everything out and let's, as I say, go for 11 hard men or anything like that. But we do need to get the mix a damn sight better than we have done this year. Do
2: you know yeah, what, Simon? What, 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 what was funny was um, watching Chris Martin's first game, like when he came on loan. He was exactly what you're talking about that we don't have in the squad. He was a complete bastard yeah. he, was mm-hmm. get, he was getting he was getting in faces he was yeah. he was leave, leave, leaving a footing on the keeper the center off, he was in the ref's face like and, and it was like it, 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 why is Johansson not doing that because he kind of was doing that when he first got here but there, there's your captain and your leader who seems to be very quiet on the pitch mm. whereas your lone player who's like a 34 year old experienced centre forwards <laughs> He's kind of doing that, and he's leading literally from the front. And it it, it feels like you know what? Why is Steph not grabbing hold of this squad? Like who? G, Jimmy use Jimmy Dunn. He he's a yeah. talker. Do you know what I mean? Like and, and it just feels like there's there's no lead. Like one of the things I think Ainsworth needs to do is find out who that who he can lean on in that squad in the same way that Warner did with a Derry and a Hill. But and I experience. think that's what
3: he's trying to do with the hacker. Oh, that hacker thing he's already explained is just to try and see people who are going to buy in, who are going to be these sorts of people. And I think the point you made is absolutely right, because you look at Jamal Lowe. You think Jamal Lowe, when he started at Reading in that Swansea game, he looked lively as anything. But in the subsequent games after, he, he looks an absolute shadow. He looks an absolute shadow of his former self, um, and just essentially just trotting around the pitch, disinterested. And that goes back to that sort of whole idea of what's going on within what's going on within that squad. And as I say, I feel for anyone, any manager coming in trying to work with that at the moment, because I think it is, I have to say, almost unsalvageable for this lot. And this summer's is going to be a massive, massive change and a rebuilding job
1: again. But that's the trouble, isn't it? I mean, sorry, so I'm going to come to you in a second here. But like, there's two things I want to pick up When You say about the transfer that was coming, but players and, and others were keen to point out that they discovered Powell, they discovered Lurd before, you know, before Beal did, when Bill was being towed and he was oh, well, we knew about a lot, but Warburton didn't want to sign him or, um, you know, because he didn't want to play youngsters or this, that, and the other. This is kind of like, and then all the youngsters that, that he was of not playing, we got rid of. You know, it just seems... And then going into the hacker, what what struck me about the hacker was you've got Chris Ramsey, Les Ferdinand, Paul Hall and various others that have been there for quite a while who know the players. They should know what the players are like and they should be able to go to Gareth when they say, look, this hacker's a great idea. But just let you know, this one's got this, this one's got that. They've been there for years. It's not like he's coming and brought in a new staff. This is, and I was watching the hacker thing and I get it. I understand it, And it's fair enough that he's trying something different and people are going to knock it and take the piss and that's fine. That's up to them. But and I can see what it's doing, but he, that's why you've got the, the, the development staff there. So they can be on you. I don't know. Am, am I saying it wrong, Sam? Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? They're already there. They should know the mentality of the players.
0: Well, I mean the thing with, with, uh, with the hacker, I, I saw, I thought I initially saw that sort of, 20 second clip taken out of context and I was like what is going on here mm. um I was like this, is, this is. and I, I think a lot of people probably watch the I mean all you need to do is look at viewing numbers and whatnot to see that a lot of people watch just yeah the, just a, the 20 second clip out of context and I think when I watched the whole thing I, I, I thought well it's 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 unorthodox it's, it's that's that's obvious but I think if you'd spoken if you'd like if we'd recorded this um uh just before Ainsworth just before Ainsworth had been appointed, yeah, when it was just still Critchley, when it was maybe after those two home defeats, we'd be saying that sort of tear up the book. This nothing's really gonna work on this this lot. Like we, we need to just go basically crazy and go for some of the most bizarre out there um uh ways of ways of trying to Get, get a tune out of them because it's just it's been a downward spiral for quite a while now so I, I really uh, and I, I really don't blame Ainsworth for, for trying to go down a different route and and um yeah but I mean it's just a shame we went on to lose to Rotherham but I, I, I don't I mean I, I'm not massively not not a big uh, not a big Rugby union fan myself, so I, I I can't I can't say I know too much about it, or I'm I'm too big big hacker man, but I I don't I don't see a massive issue with it, and I just I just think it's it's something something that will result in me coming back. Well, anyone coming back from a QPR game saying, well, they put a hundred percent in, because I've, I've I've not thought that in quite a while. Maybe Sheffield United, who you knows
1: the trouble is, I mean, the, the hacker itself is—it's it's fine and dandy. Holloway took them to the ballet, if I remember rightly, and um, was it Holloway also took them to a military base and they, they did all that malarkey and things like that and, and, and no doubt players and Warnock did some pretty weird things as well. All managers do it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, but it's just a shame that they're having to do this um, team morale, team building, rely we'll on each other. So I mean, when they've got experienced people that who should have. We're supposed to be balancing. We, I remember when they've come on the pod, they said we do a proper check on players before we sign them, but we're not clearly checking the flipping injury records, that's for sure. That you again
3: goes back to what I said earlier about, I think with the business model, we, we've tried to sign people who are have those questionable injury records but have potential to be good players, as if the sort of healing hands of our physio will have some sort of like lords-like lords-like effect that no other person with medical science can do. But Mm -hmm. I think the aim, I think the aim there is, the aim's there. But as I say, this season, it's, it's just not worked. It's just not worked. And you're always one or however, one or two bad transfer windows away, particularly in a situation with us where we don't have that much money, where things are going to, where things can go wrong and we found this season that, that that's exactly what's happened. You look at the January transfer window when we are in the playoffs, the loan signings we went for and the disagreements there. What we've done in the summer now, what we've done in January, has now three transfer windows in a row where I think the model has gone wrong and I think you're right, it's whilst in an ideal world we would love to go down the academy route, but at the moment, is the academy is the academy fit for purpose, and is it actually we concentrate like Millwall, Millwall have done, Luton have done, on mainly trying to improve that, improve their first teams. It's it's a difficult one at the moment, and it's certainly not something I'd envy our club trying to come up with, but. I think at the moment it's potentially a change, in per- it's a change in personnel for me. I think the idea of the director of football model is fine, but I'm not entirely sure it's being done the right way at the moment.
2: Well, I think we're eight years down the line and it just seems to be getting worse. I, I, I think if, if if we had a load of players coming out of the academy, they could justifiably say it takes that long to, to, to bed in. And I'm sure... They'll be saying, "Well, listen, give it a, give it a few more years because, like, obviously we've got the new training facilities, and that that will in, improve the quality of play and improve, improve the, the the players that we can bring in." But but I, I I've been listening to a lot of podcasts uh, with ex professionals. There seems to be like fundamentally, I think the academy route is slightly flawed, and this is why we're seeing more impetus to get B team games in. Because it feels like there's the kids coming through the academy, they don't aren't able to make that transition from playing against under-23s into the first team. You look at Sinclair, who, who has the physical attributes, he's quick, he's strong, scores for fun at under 23s, but the minute he sets foot in the first team, can't he, he, he take what well, the only shots he's taken are from ridiculous angles to the left-hand side of the goal of the near post. Apart from that, he's not bothering the goal. I mean, he is a handful, but. It feels like kids, and this isn't just QPR, but across the board, they're either lacking a bit of mental toughness or it's all about coaching a particular type of play. But what you're not breeding is the Sean Derrys of the world. You're not getting the, the you know, the, the, the people, you, you're not getting the balance, you're getting a lot of technical players. And it's interesting, there's very few centre-forwards coming through, very few centre-arms, but a ton of like, attacking midfielders. And a ton of like attacking fullbacks, and it feels like everyone's breeding players like to be (laughs) play the same system no matter where you are at that level. And I I think until QPR can get the formula right in terms of how do you get these kids to—I mean, whether it is like you know Masterson or Shadipo, who are always out on loan at Lincoln or Gillingham, getting first-team reps against men, but even they're coming back and they're not quite cutting it. So you know is is academy is is that the answer is that the route it's i don't think it's going to create short-term like answers so then we're back to to simon's point which is we're then shopping in the bargain basement with somebody with at least one working cruciate ligament who we can trot out and try and develop and again like going back to the essies and the willocks of the world and by the way what what on earth has happened to willock same with Dicky. Like we are the, the asset depreciation of this club is insane at the minute. Um, it's like you're you're you you're either getting lucky with one or two, but you're not producing consistent amounts of kids that are going to bulk the squad up. And until we can do that, we it feels like we're in this perpetual cycle of topping up with loans and kind of you know and de- and and again every year we hit this point and it's the same problem with the with the injuries. So we're we're struggling to field sixteen players. Like to get you know get get a bench out as well. It's it's it's. Oh, I, I don't know the answer, lads. Like I really don't. I mean, I think with the with the academy, um,
0: I I, I listened to Laz's interview that he did with Clive, and what what I what I thought was that um he he saw there was a there was he did quite a sort of um. Almost a bit of a sob story about how we don't have a Category One academy, and because of that, we lose these academy players. And he said there were twelve, and we don't know who they all are because some of them haven't started playing professionally. And the, the the only one that I know off the top of my head that's a part of that twelve that has been poached out of our academy for a combined seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds is Harvey Elliott, who. Played pretty much all of Liverpool's seven 0 win at the weekend. So, uh, okay, yeah, maybe maybe we have good players in here. But it, what it seems to me like is that they, that he's just sort of persisting with this idea, even though he knows he said it. But when you don't have the Category One Academy, it's very hard to to without that to create a path to go to the first team. You're going to basically have this issue that as, any, as soon as anyone's any good. They're going to so go that's, a,
2: that's a flawed somewhere. business model.
0: They're going to go somewhere else, it's, and it's a, it, that's a, exactly that's the point. And I think I think the issue is there's this sort of romantic idea of we've got to have these kids who've grown up in White City playing for QPR, and, and that's a, that, that would be great, that would be lovely. But I think there comes a time when you need to be realistic and need to say, is it worth putting all this money into the academy when we're occasionally going to get good players and they're going to get poached from us for, for peanuts? So I I I really think there's a bit of an issue there with this sentimental connection to the idea of an academy. And I love the idea of an academy. And I also, for what it's worth, I really I love the fact that we've got someone we've got an academy kid who's now, even though he gets stick every week, is playing week in, week out in um, in, in Aussie Kakai. But you need to sort of look at where you're putting the money and if, if you're putting money into the academy. And you're not getting anything out of it, and you can admit that you're not getting anything out of it and you know why that is, then you've got to say that's poor decision making.
2: But but Sam, what one thing about that academy, right? If if that academy is able to churn out, say, 12 players and get 100 a hundred grand a pop, sell them out into league one, league two, and I you know, I'm just plucking figures out of the air, then that is potentially giving us 1.2 million to invest in the first team. So we don't necessarily have to create 10 first team ready players, but league ready players, players, well, that somebody not... might like someone, someone like a Colc... Uh, I can't even say his bloody name. Uh, capequa who we had, who went to Barnsley a while back. Right. And, and that's the thing. Like, I understand that there is going to be leakage because of the, 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 was it is it FPPPP or whatever it's called? The um, EPPP, the before- e- Yeah, that. There's going to be leakage out of the system, but there is surely going to be enough talent generated to at least generate some money for rangers. Because look looking at those those numbers, and, and I, you know, I was Paul, I, I was laughing at the um the pod you did with, with Lee Hoos about and, and pie gate. Um, because ultimately that isn't going to solve the problem, right? It's selling an extra few pies ain't you know. The the the, the you main right, but the main revenue stream is going to be its match day and its playing staff. Right, it's the the whole point to this model is you have to sell players. Now we didn't do it because we gave it a go. Unfortunately, every single one of those players that we could have sold, as we talked about already, has they've devalued. So you know, realistically, how much would we get? Do you think, for Ilias? Seven Three, lives, million, maybe, five. yeah, right. I mean, five, five is yeah, five feels about right. I mean, we were talking about ten to fifteen, like what season and a half ago, mm-hmm. uh, and and this and, and this is even before he's been at an Afcon and a World Cup, and he's actually, you know, got some minutes. Yeah. But but do you know what I mean? Like, and then you look at Rob Dicky; he was being talked mm. about as like the next centre half, like going for ten million. You'd be lucky to get one million from right now, like Seni. Senny's concentration has gone and he, he is not the keeper that we thought he was a year, two years ago. I'd be amazed if he went for a couple. So when you look at it like that, we're either going to have to sell half the first team squad to make the books balance and then like sort of pick, pick up freeze here and there. It's mm-hmm. not overly, it's not building for the future. It's kind of running to keep still in, in some aspects. And I think we're, we're actually seeing the, um, I guess the root cause of that now, like we're, we're we're in trouble for that reason. We're we're sort of now going backwards a bit.
1: I've yeah. often thought, that, I've thought it for a while that what we have at QPR is a strange scenario where the youth team is above the first team, as in staff, um, who calls the shots, what's going on. It's very much geared towards the youth, which is fine, but you can't really get the two confused and you can't have one overlap the other either. They've got the separate identities. You've got to have people purely focusing on the youth and getting the youth through. And I mean, I, I, I love having the QPR youth team and I think it's brilliant, but the Premier League and the greed is, is, and teams like Chelsea and that have really fucked us over. You know, the chances of us finding those gems and holding on to those gems are really difficult, really hard. So you've got to get, you've, you've got to, I mean, maybe we've got to have to think about it. And then reestablish ourselves, and then when we can afford to go to Category A, Category One, whatever, we can do it then and do it properly with a dome and everything else with the new training ground. But at the moment, we seem to be paying millions and millions and millions of pounds and not getting much back. But if that's coming again from the first team funding, then again we're 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 a little bit in trouble, and it just looks to be like we the youth teams more in control than the first team and I just find that weird. You know, like the, the whole thing with the director of football. I mean, I know there's there's other things with Les at work. People say things that I just find incredible and it's not on his ability, that's for sure. And and that's really not helpful and just wrong. Um but if Les was looking at himself and thinking he's doing a good job then I would say she look at it again. Um and because he's he's not you know, well, that's cool.
2: I, think, I think that comes back to the, the, the point about, you know, we, we know what Lee Hoos' job is. We know what the manager's job is. Like, if Lee Hoos fails FFP, then he's not done his job properly. Like, his Correct. KPIs are very, very obvious. What, no, and again, like, th- this is like, I think the fan base at the minute feels helpless because there's, there's short-term problems, there's mid-term problems, there's long-term problems. You cannot have uh, owners having to put 2 million... Into the club every month and think that's okay. And and then you've got fans screaming, board out. Well, if the board go, who's paying that two million? Mm. Then you've got Lee Lee who's out. Well, if you get Lee Who's out, who's going to be controlling the purse strings? Who's going to be making sure that we are keeping well within our FFP limits? You know, I'm I'm you know, and, and I'm sure you know Lee is having to prioritize certain things which is why he it may look like he's being dismissive of, of certain other things that the fans care about but ultimately we know what his core KPI is no one knows what Les Ferdinand's KPIs are no one mm. knows whether what he's doing now is successful whether whether what he's signed up to with the board is what he is being judged on and whether he's been successful. And so I think, for, for the, by and large, for the most of us, we understand that, that his remit is the playing side. And when the playing side isn't going well, and you've gone through three different managers, then where, where else can you look? And then you look at the academies under his remit. Okay, Chris Ramsey's been here a long time and these players aren't coming through. So what are his KPIs? OK, uh, you know, yes, we're leaking players out of the system, but surely there are enough players to be coming through the system. So, again, what's he being judged on? What's the head of recruitment being judged on? Do you know what I mean? And I think that is why there is a level of frustration with the fan base, which is like we all know there is an issue, but we, it, where's the accountability? Who, whose remit is it? What, why is it like this? What are we doing to change it? Because it, it, it feels like for the, you know, having a, a third manager in the space of, well, four months, you know, you can't just keep changing the managers because especially with this one, who is totally a different style altogether to Beal and Critchley. So, you know, we what happens in, I don't know, three months or well, two months time cuts to the end, end of the season. We need one winner. Are we, are we getting rid of Ainsworth because he hasn't quite got the job done are we going to bring Sam Allardyce in for one last game try and keep us up or you know no one knows if it, also sorry to get, I'm, I'm getting a bit wound up here but what are the board doing like are, are they asleep at the wheel like you know it, it feels like the board have been very silent okay there was that 25 minute video that Amit and Ruben did but that's all well and good lads but where were you at the start of the season where you know is that, is that all we get from you? Just 25 minutes and, and that's it. And you're just good. What, what are you guys doing to change things? Like, this is your investment, it's your club. And at the moment, it's going south in a hurry. So, a bit more hands on, a bit more answers from you. Or is it just the fact that it's a status symbol and you're not that fussed what league we're in? Like, what, what is it? So, again, it feels like there's a lot of questions coming out of the club that aren't being answered.
1: I, I personally think they care. I think you, you could argue that maybe they they that they're letting people get on with jobs in some areas and others, and not another areas and not. I, I don't know. Um, it mean, it just seems like Britain's nicest human being, and you know, it it I don't know. It's 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 so difficult because we're, we're passionate, we love it, and I'm not saying they don't. Of course, they do. But I understand the feeling. Someone to sleep at the wheel. It does feel that we're drifting. And we're drifting very bad. And, then if we, and if we do survive, and it is an if now, there's no point in us saying we've got too many points. We, we should, and we are, and we have to realise we're in a dogfight now. Um, and we're a little bit unarmed, you know. And for next season, if we finish this season, and you look at next season, season tickets are going to suffer. And the answer to that will be, well, then we'll just put prices. I don't know. It's, it's, it's so difficult to judge what they want to do, how they've got to move forward. And without their money, we're doomed. But if we go to League One, I don't know. What do you think, Sam Lee? I mean, you're, you're the young one. Give us some hope. Sorry, mate. But I, I honestly think if we go to League One and you look at what the Wednesdays and that, that league of Sheffield United took so long to get rid of it, and it just goes with Jesus, though, I mean, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose um, there's no use hiding from the fact that we, we've all seen the accounts, and um, without any of us being a financial experts, you don't need to be a financial expert to know that if you go into League one the decreased TV money the decreased ticket sales is just it's gonna it's gonna be a bit of a disaster financially I suppose I'm I'm a bit less I have a little bit of a different complexion on it because I, I I wasn't alive well I was alive but I was not um paying attention last time um uh QPR in were in league one so I'd, uh, part of me would like to go to all the grounds um think it might be yeah the, the sort of the the thought of uh, of being one of 200 QPR fans watching a nil-nil draw at Carlisle in the driving <laughs> rain and wind in winter that that seems that that all seems very fun but um yeah i mean it would be it would be a bit of a disaster if we were to go down i i i mean yeah from from i, I don't think we'd cease to exist as a club or anything like that but if it were to happen, at least we'd, we'd 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 win more games next season than we would if we if we stayed up. So uh, that, 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 it's that's never guaranteed. I was going to say, no guarantees. No, there, I'm so not <laughs> sort of optimistic, mate. Yeah. No, well, how many expected. games do you think we'd win next season if we stayed up? I it's, uh, mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 uh, it, it it is very difficult to 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 say, and and I think I actually just from a footballing perspective. That we do have this massive unknown in the sense that Ainsworth's been at one club. We when a manager's been at one club, it's going to be likely that they've played one style. But you don't some managers stick with the same style in each different club they go to. Some managers like to adapt with what they've got. We don't know that about Ainsworth because he's not been at two different clubs before, or, or well, he's had a caretaker spell here. But you, you you know he's not he's not had a proper spell at two different clubs. So we don't really know what direction he's looking to take the squad into. Um, and we have no idea what our starting event is going to look like when we um uh when it's whenever late July, early August next, um, well, this this year for the start of next season. So it is a massive unknown with what's what's gonna be what's gonna be happening on the pitch in terms of playing style and playing staff. Um but uh yeah, that's that's my my thoughts.
2: It, it feels a bit like Ian Holloway all over again with Dudu, Ben Richard Johnson, Alexandra Bono. You were literally getting these players like well, didn't you start off with something like five first teamers and then ended up building this team which are actually quite fun to watch. That that would be the only saving grace potentially that next year could be a bit more fun because you have literally got no idea who these guys are, what they can do, but. I'm, I'm slightly nervous that I think this time around might be a bit different.
3: Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, it's 20 years, 20 years ago, even even in League One, even with that by 2002, 2003, we were still relative big hitters in the Championship where, or in League One. Whereas I think this time, you look at the teams that were down there at the moment, My my honest opinion, I could probably see us knocking about like Charlton. Yeah, no, I, a I,
0: disaster. I mean here's here's the um here's a question to to, to everyone else i mean um whoever, whoever wants to answer it is um do do we think that there's some sort of consensus in the club that if we get relegated Ainsworth is the man for league one or do we think that hey, if we were to get relegated they'd change a the game i think I, I i think they would
3: lose any sort of credibility if we got rid of yet another manager particularly given what's happened with Ainsworth. And I know I said in the past last time, it took him a long, long time to get the success he did at Wickham. But you've got a bloke who is ready-made and experienced for League One football. You know he's someone who can overperform with a club. Um, It would be an absolute no-brainer for me for Ainsworth to stay
2: in in League One. Yeah, I agree. I also don't think we could afford to get rid of him. Is, no. is the is the honest answer I, I think after paying out Critchley I you know they I, I don't think they can like you know the, the amount of money you'll lose leaving the championships to go to League one the other question is who who, who would want to come like who, who's going to replace Ainsworth as Simon said he, he he knows he knows the division he, he knows what it's like to get in the playoffs he's you know um and he also knows players at that level, that could help him do that. So, so I think if if I mean if the club were to get rid of Ainsworth, if we did go down, that would probably be one of the most stupid decisions that they'll have made in their tenure.
1: If and Drew we've done hard. some yeah. stupid decisions. Yeah. We really have. <laughs> we, I, I think they'll be taking stupidity. They'll be taking stupidity to the top of the cliff and kicking it off the other side. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they will. I think there's, certainly when they appointed, there may have been one eye on League One. Um, maybe they. They didn't have as much confidence. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's 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 slowly slowly dawning on people that we are in big 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 trouble because for weeks and weeks and weeks, probably about twenty one games ago, we were like, nah, we will be grand. It'll we'll be fine." And now it's just like, I mean, I had Birmingham and Coventry down to two wins that will keep us up. And I'm just looking at that thinking, "Well, they're going to be a hell of a games." You know, you just because, but no one Rangers will beat Watford, and we'll beat everyone we're not expected to beat, and 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 crack yes. on with it. I don't know. It's so so. Well,
0: I tell you what, it's good. it's not going to be two wins. It's going to be one win, and it's going to be firmly away. A hundred, you've got that nailed on. And it's going to be a game they play that they for promotion or yeah. winning the league, whatever. And we'll be I mean, I I'm mean, the one saving grace, the one saving grace we've got at the
3: moment is that the bottom three. We we can talk about how bad we are. We at least got a twenty-five point head start on them, but.
2: They're, they're really, really they're bad. bad. I mean, I tell say, you, you what, Simon, with... though, I, mate, I tell you what, I'm, I've got the fixtures up, right? And, you know, obviously you've got Watford. Let's call that what it is. That's that's no point. But then, and, and this is why Ainsworth needs to get hold of his squads <laughs> and get some fight in them, because we're about to play out the next uh, four games, Blackpool away. You can see Blackpool getting a win there, right? That then brings it to four points difference. We've then got home to Birmingham, away to Wigan. We're basically playing our relegation rivals away from home. Mm. That I don't like. If we were playing them at home, maybe, you know, end of the day with those games, get a point. A point mm. minimum because it keeps the distance. Like, I, you know, the, the fact I'm looking at the, at the results yesterday, like fo- following on live score or whatever, Looking at Wigan and, and looking at Blackpool, uh, sorry, Huddersfield, absolutely terrified if Huddersfield get a late winner, then that pool, you know, all, all of a sudden it just takes one of those three to put together a run of form and we're in trouble if we don't sort it out. It's like that, those four games, you've, you've then got home to Preston. So those four are literally, I think we'll know a damn sight more about our future, like where we're we going to be playing football after that? Because it's then West Brom, Coventry, Norwich, Burnley. That wow. as a four is terrifying to have to get a result from. And then <laughs> then it's Stoke away, Bristol City at home. It's it, it's guys, it's grim. It's really really grim. And and I think that if you if if I'm Ainsworth, I'm I'm basically calling Blackpool. We're going to cup final. You you win those two and you can put your feet up, lads. You're good. If you don't get results there, all of a sudden you're in real, real trouble. And as much as we want to say, like the teams below us are bad, every season someone puts a run on. They'll get like Cardiff are doing it right now. Cardiff was shocking. They've put two wins out of three. And all of a sudden, they're now one point behind us. We're in real danger of come at the at the end of Blackpool. You're now looking at four points with 10 games to go. And Blackpool at home are a different proposition of Blackpool away.
0: That yeah. has been, they have been awful lately, though. I yeah. mean, you say you say you think they'll beat us at home, and and I, 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 if I, if you had to ask me now, I'd agree. But they are. That is a huge game. That is a game that, and and it, it's in it. It sounds almost considering how we're playing at the moment. It almost sounds arrogant, but it's a game we can actually win. I think, and I mean, it, I bring back to the Mick McCarthy, quote I said I said earlier about. When he got asked about it, it can't get much worse and it's it, that they're, they're in a proper they're in a proper state and that's a huge game huge game and um, uh
2: so uh, i've yeah, got two words for you mate two words josh bowler
0: i was thinking the same i was thinking the same um never but there you go right there here. you go that that's that's this is massive, massive, and um, and we'll, we'll know We'll know the result this time next week. And um, it's a bit of a scary thought, I think. Listen, the, it is.
1: Tr- the trouble is, in my worry, and this oh, like, listen, I don't want to make this de- depressing, this podcast, but I think we're already there. So it's happy days, um, and happy days, of depression that's a contradiction to itself. <laughs> but the mistakes we make, we're given anyone a chance that will worry me. I look at these teams and think whether well, they're absolutely diabolic or that there's no way, but then I look at more we made flipping. Your man looked like Pelly Saturday. and we know that he's crap. Um, Hugo, do you know what I mean? Uh, and, and we did. We made him. You know, he. he we made us. him look good.
0: He's the only. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's the only player to score 15 goals in a season for us since we got right. relegated to the Champions. Yeah. No, that's ago, right. So. Yeah. I, and yeah, I, was, I thought you know, Hugo. Got was way actually too much grief. I was actually getting a bit. I was getting pretty annoyed because, in the first sort of 10 minutes, he was getting got. They booed him when he came onto the pitch and everything, and I thought I didn't really agree with that because, as I said, I think he got a bit too too much there. That's a fair point. I didn't and that. and he got he got he got he he wound up Jimmy Dunn and uh, did something like this that it, it was pretty annoying, and I, and everyone was just yelling at him. I was, I was just thinking, no, 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 let's not start antagonizing. him. Do not do that. Do not do that. I was just, he faked the I was, fake. I was, I was there with my dad and, with and I was, I was just shaking my head saying this is going to happen. literally 30 seconds, like 30 seconds later, right in front of us." You scores his first goal in about 600 years.
1: <laughs> he, um, I think he faked that he was hitting the face by Jimmy Dunn. I think that's what he was faking. I think that's why people get annoyed with him because he made a I yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, he was doing something pretty annoying, but it, it, it annoyed me. I, I
1: was to be five as much as you hate it, if you're in a dog fight, you have to, dark arts have to come into it. And maybe yeah. we're being too nice, maybe we're being too... To,
2: Paul, to be well, fair, mate, be we, 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 we go into a dog fight, we haven't got any dogs. That's the problem. Mm. Like, we, 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 we literally, we we were saying, Chris Martin, only one. But do you see what Rotherham did, though, before the game? They made Hugo captain.
1: Mm. Like,
2: for the first time, they, they knew what they were doing.
1: And then when Washington came on, I thought, here we go. Yeah. I um, was surprised he didn't score. Yeah, yeah. That's was well, did,
2: didn't didn't he as good
1: as a third? win in my eyes. Did he set sorry that didn't did, he did he set, set up the third? Know, did he? Rob Dickey
3: set up the third.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, I suppose we'd better go on to the R's end because I think we've we're in danger of talking and talking and talking because it's a, and it's a conversation that needs to be had. I mean, there's no point us deflecting. It's, it's been grim. It's been horrible. They're just, I don't keep saying it, but I worry about season tickets for next season. We're going to have to really pull something out of the bag for next season to get people back in because <laughs> youngsters can't keep turning up and watching these games and getting into the, the club. It's demoralising for a lot of kids. And, you know, one win in 21 or whatever it is nice. Just, I, I do not remember a run like this even on our darkest days this is one of the grimmest runs I can remember and that's all destroyed and I'm fucking ancient anyway ours end Sam you can go first what's your ours end uh, you don't have to have one but you know you can if you want
0: uh, I think, I, think I, I just I sort of think just uh, just get beyond the players get beyond the team and, and it, it sounds it sounds sort of uh it sounds cringy or something, but I think whatever, whatever you think of, of, what's going on now, like there's creating, creating a sort of toxic atmosphere in the club doesn't help anyone. And yeah, I, I just, I just think like, even, even if you don't, even if you don't think, um even if you, even, even if you think we're sort of, we're, we're toast and it's, it's all over, just, just get behind the players. You never know. And um. And yeah, try try and go to a game with a smile on your face, even if it's forced. Simon. <clears throat> so as I as I was talking to you earlier, I'm a
3: secondary school teacher in Hemel Hempstead. So obviously, Saturday's game with half, well, seemingly half of my school trying to go down in the Watford ends. It's got the potential to go horribly, horribly wrong for me during um, school next week. I've already already sort of managed expectations with them that essentially if they just turn up, they'll probably win. But just for the sake of my week, next week, lads, um, please, please don't lose. I can take a draw. Just take a draw. Anything like that, please don't lose next Saturday. Thank you.
1: Will there be a lot of detentions?
3: half the school will be in detention <laughs> if I end up doing that. So no, I think we'll, um, I'll, I'll go selective on it.
1: I've, I've seen what you're like. We're in a bad mood, Simon. There'll be a lot of detentions. Uh, Dunstan.
2: <laughs> okay. So uh, my eyes end. Um, so during COVID one of our cohorts uh, decided to grow his hair and grew it very, very long sort of shoulder length Um and this Saturday after the Watford game, he is uh shaving it all off for charity. So he is shaving it off for a children's cancer charity called St. Baldrick's in the in the, in the US. Um, I'm gonna post the link up on the QPR NYC socials. And if I ask Paul very nicely, maybe the pod could throw it out sure there. We
1: can, do but you. it would of be
2: awesome if you could um chip, chip in, you know, obviously I know you know things is tough but it's a, it's a great cause we'll make sure we get the before and after photos he's, he's a great great bloke he's like an american rangers fan fell in love with the Oz. Went, went there he's got like you know um british friends who he knows that that got him into Rangers. rangers he's loyal he turns up great guy still friends a with great them. cause sorry are they
1: still friends yeah.
2: Uh, I believe so. I believe Excellent. so. But, Excellent. Uh, in fact, he—I think somehow he has managed to get a QPR NYC badge to Mick Jones via that friend. So cannot confirm or deny. It. But um, but no, say uh, so it's 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 a great cause, and and I'll, I'll be so, I'll be sorry to see the locks go. i, I uh, at one point me and him had similar length hair, and I I bottled it, and he kept it going, and he got rid of it. For, he's going to get rid of it for charity. I got rid of it for my mum. So <laughs> very well, very I-
1: different. I, I, I did actually, during lockdown, grow my hair long. It took an extra minute to cut it.
2: <laughs> i thought sorry for the barber ball.
1: Don't he's a Millwall fan. Um, <laughs> nice fella, but there you go. Um, well, my R's end is um, short for once, and that is, I like what Sam said. We should, I, mean, I think we do. I think we all, we do get bad the team. And I, I think, we need the team to get behind themselves to be perfectly honest with you as well. That would, that would help an awful lot. Um, and um, hopefully we, we we can, um, you know, give the manager of Watford for this month, because he'll probably be there next month, um, a bit of a hard time. In fact, he might even get sacked at halftime if we, we're winning. Who knows Watford? Um, <laughs> just, just get results sadly come hell or high water. But also like to say, a message for John Reeves, you know, is Dottie's dad, um, he's having a pretty crap few weeks and um, I'm just saying that the pod is thinking about your big man and um, keep your chin up which sounds ridiculous after what you have going through with Doughty and he was raising money for brain cancer the other week and he you know, he's standing outside shaking the bucket and everything else and um, well done to all the QPR fans that give money there's, there's, there's our football life and our, our kind of but the, the, what the community side do that football club is amazing and um, that's something I'll always be proud of no matter what happens on the pitch and yeah um, I'd I'd like Dunstan to tell that his Robert Smith story that he said before we started, because I like that. And I think the, the, the needs a, it needs a bigger audience rather than Sam and Salmon and myself. So do you mind telling that story again, please, Dunstan? Not,
2: not at all. I I um you know yeah, so many, many moons ago we beat Borough 5-0, like they were flying high, we were we were not. Um, So we decided to go go for a curry, like to celebrate me and my friend Keith Jones and Craig, the funnily enough Carlisle fan who we knew. So Sam, your Carlisle reference, I'm sure Craig would be loving that. I know
1: Keith Jones from somewhere, but carry on.
2: Probably keep the Paul. I'm pretty certain you met him. He's a good guy. He's out, he's out in Texas at the, at the moment, yeah. uh, And we'll be listening. Um, but we um, so so we were running short of cigarettes because that's what you smoked back in the 90s when it was okay to do so. Um and we asked the, the waiter whether, whether he had a cigarette machine. He said, No, sorry, lads. And it was late and everything else was shut. So we've ordered and the beers have come. And all of a sudden, a very loud noise slap on the table, uh, hand comes up and there were five cigarettes. And it was the, we looked up and it was Robert Smith. And he said, There you go, lads, one for each of the goals. When you finish your meal, come and join us for a beer. That we did. And he was a phenomenal wonderful man although he did say on one condition you can join me just don't mention the cure just all he wanted to do was talk about the football talk about rangers he sponsored the game uh he was there with his mate his son was the mascot um and it, yeah it, it was it was just a really a, a random thing that happens with rangers every now and again you just bump into the strangest people do you know what i mean and and the best people like yeah it, it was uh yeah it was a really good night and he's a cracking bloke
1: Talking of which, I'm pumping into Paul Curtis tomorrow night at the um, Ali alley evening.
2: Talking a cracking bloke. Say item for me.
1: Nah, you're all right. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll miss him on Saturday. <laughs> uh, I'll pass on. He's, he is another... He's a brilliant fella. Um, uh, you know what's next? Don't you? <laughs> Fucking predictions. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Go on, Sam. Um,
0: I think... Um. And we'll go one and up at half time. They'll sack Wilder and then come back and beat us 3-1. Because when you look at our previous set of results, a 3-1 defeat seems to be um, printing money.
1: Firming?
3: All right, well, I'm gonna go exactly with what Sam says and I'll include the Chris Wilder sacking at the same time. It will be it will be three one.
1: Who's gonna get sacked? The world or the world thing? Carry on, Donson. See what it oh, does, Damn it, so. Paul!
2: You've literally just taken my line. <laughs> I was about to say QPR's thing is wild, but Watford's is wilder. Four nil Watford. Uh, oh, that
1: I was better. Mean... That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you. I, I actually think. I actually. <laughs> I'm going to go for me, optimistic, and I'm going to go for a nil nil draw. Blimey! You don't think we'll <laughs> concede? I said what I was going for. I didn't say unless he believed it.
3: But last um, time I said we'd win 4-0, so... Yeah. I well, the last time for win. Blackburn, you said put 4-0, didn't you, Paul?
1: Jesus. <laughs> what, you? what was this, pick on Finney there or something?
0: Jesus. I, 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 I'm picking on myself.
1: Well, you can do that, Sam. You're allowed to. You're a student. Um, <laughs> Anyone's you know, allowed to do that. Of course. I'll, I'll be seeing you in Blackpool on Tuesday. I'm, I'm going down through and and uh, Jacob Tindall's coming over. Um, for the Watford game. And he's also coming over to meet me and spend the evening with me in Blackpool. I don't know what's worth it. I, I feel awful about this. The poor bugger, he's going to suffer enough and he's got to spend a couple of hours with me. <laughs> Jesus. I'm, I'm, I am I don't know what's cruel, in it? Paul,
2: you I'll know say, what's going I'll to say be funny to with you. Jacob? You know what's going to be funny with Jacob? You know, he is like literally the world's most optimistic man.
1: Oh, God. I, 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 I can just him. see
2: him. Like, a few pints with you... Blackpool away. He's he's got he's to turn. This is going to be his origin story, isn't
1: it? <laughs> can you imagine like it going back, going back to the states, and I'll probably end up blocked and is is WhatsApp and everything. I can see it, <laughs> but I it's good. And oh, I don't know, mate. Listen, I just I just I just wanted to get enough points as we can and just stay the frig up, and then just worry about next season when it comes, I guess, and worry about recriminations afterwards, but we've got to stay up. It's it's as simple and as uncomplicated as that, and by God, we're making a f***ing dog's dinner of it. I'll tell you what,
2: there there is something that we haven't mentioned yet, and in that, you know, I mentioned those four fixtures where we've got Blackpool, Birmingham, there is then an international break, and there's two weeks to the next two games. Now, if Ainsworth can, you know, if he can spend Two weeks getting that that team ready for that Wigan game, like obviously you know mm. look at the Critchleys to the world, like not really that motivational manager. I wonder whether that international break is going to be maybe the turning point, and he's going to be able to get all of those players talking <clears throat> about that buy-in. He's got Probably. two weeks to work. He's got two weeks to work Work with them. You never know. You might end up getting a fit Taylor Richards, a fit Lyndon Dykes. You know, you've got players to come back into the squad. I do wonder how important that international break is going to be for us.
1: Do you, do, 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 you to, do you want to laugh, by the way? I'll talk about the international break. You never guess who's in the Northern Ireland squad.
2: Sean Goss. Sean Goss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I could not believe my fucking eyes. I generally. Sort of thought it can't be. It, it just can't be. Who's he now? He's playing for Motherwell. I can tell you that because I, I I checked his Wikipedia straight away and thought, please, God, no. My life is shit at the moment, I tell you. it hell. Club and country, ridiculous. Anyway,
2: it's not has Northern Ireland got that much of an injury crisis where they've got like 2,000 players out? Have they, have, have they got access to our medical staff or something?
1: I don't know. I think they were booking something from Strictly, and they got the wrong one. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, well, when yeah, will I'm I look am looking at his Never profile Sean. here. Never. He's, he's, he's taken...
0: This is just a very completely random fact about Sean Goss here, according to this. He's taken one penalty in his whole career, and he scored it, and it was against Man City. Who That's
1: crazy?
0: updated R's end. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with anything except well Sean Goss
1: QPR
2: okay. legends Sean Goss
1: oh I yeah I've all the, I like Matt Goss i tell you anyway never mind it's the end of the podcast Sam thank you so much for coming on you've been brilliant and um, I look forward to seeing you um, in Blackpool and if you want to rescue Jacob, please feel free because he'll probably be crawling behind me begging for mercy It he doesn't want anyone to talk to him. Uh, Simon, as always, I'll see you. On, well, I might see you. Are you going to Blackpool or school night? And all uh, sadly,
3: work gets in. I've got a school game after and, yeah, I can't leave. Yeah, can't get up to Blackpool from school. So got to give that one a miss, which blatantly means given all the away games I've been to, that's a nailed on win.
1: Dunstan, are you going to be watching that at home or are you going to be watching that in the factory?
2: No, we've actually got um, it's going to be our biggest turnout of of the year we've got, um, so like again during COVID we had people who couldn't come because they'd had extra kids or they moved out of state, we've literally got a full house apart from Paul Curtis like it's going to be the biggest turnout so you never know, hopefully it will be, uh, you know misery loves company so yeah
1: and um, there you go. And that is the title of the podcast sorted. Guys, thank you very much. And I appreciate you coming along. And let's hope we get a win Saturday because God knows we need it and a win on Tuesday. Come on, Rangers, don't let us down.